This episode of the Brewery Pro Podcast is presented by HPA. Their team of experts in breeding, growing, harvesting and processing hops is dedicated to delivering impact in your beer year after year. This episode of Brewer's Perspective looks at how brewery layout design and brewery cleaning practices can impact the quality of your beer. If you would like to learn how HPA is contributing to a sustainable future of quality beer, you can listen to Owen Johnson chat with HPA's agronomic services team on the topic of quality assurance in hop production. This conversation was part of the 2021 Virtual Harvest and is a valuable insight into how HPA ensures that only the highest quality hops reach the hands of brewers. There's a link in the show notes. Now, I am Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard and welcome to the first episode of Brewers Perspective, our new Brewery Pro podcast in which our expert brewers will discuss topical issues of interest for professional brewers. Co-host Anthony Klim chose today's guest, Aaron McGarrity, Senior Account Manager, Food and Beverage with Ecolab. Anthony wanted to speak to Aaron about what Aaron has learned through his visits to breweries, about what brewers can do in the brew house to make the job of cleaning and sanitation easier. As you'll hear, this isn't an ad for cleaning chemicals. We've never had any commercial arrangements with Ecolab, and most of the discussion is actually about brewery layout and design and being smarter with that, and also equipment and processes, and can actually reduce the need to use chemicals. Anthony is joined by co-host Marcus Cox. If you'd like to ask any questions of Anthony or Marcus, suggest topics or for future episodes, or provide feedback, you can join our Radio Brews News Brewery Pro Facebook group, or email brewerypro at brewsnews.com.au. You'll find links in the show notes. I hope you'll find this episode as informative as I did. Welcome to the first episode of Brewers Perspective, and this week we have Aaron McGarrity from Ecolab. Now, Anthony, Aaron was your suggestion uh, for our first guest, so I might hand over to you to introduce your thinking behind uh, Aaron and introduce uh, Aaron as our guest. Okay, yeah, so my thinking was that hygiene is fairly important in Bruce, and I've known Aaron for some time now, and... I know he's been in the industry for a while and I thought who better to ask than someone who's you know, got his head around it a little bit more than I do. Now we're not going to throw Aaron under the bus, we're going to ask him general questions about things that he's seen in the industry so he can speak uh, yeah, you know, as, as, as industry-wide feedback but we're not going to be asking him to uh, identify anybody so we won't be calling anybody out um, but hopefully you know, his learnings have been uh, very general and uh, you know, w- w- with broad interest. Yeah, so uh, no naming and shaming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for ratings, but we don't expect it. No. <laughs> so over to you guys. Aaron, just give me a little bit of background on, uh, on how long you've been in the industry and the kinds of things you've been involved in mainly. I've been in the industry for about 15 years in the food industry and with Ecolab for 11 of that and I guess kind of in the brewing space for about eight of that so worked with all different size breweries from you know your mainstream big boys to your pub size breweries that are so just brew pubs just yep. brew pubs just servicing their local area um, and I've also worked with customers who have grown from not much bigger than a brew pub all the way up to you know some of the larger size breweries in Australia so national distribution national distribution yep, yep. Brilliant. So, and I've seen all that comes with, you know, starting simple, what you're doing there, trying to keep as little as chemistry on site, just getting it right to, okay, now we're doing lots of different things. We've got 
lots of different equipment. How are we going to work with all this and, and what's the best process? And then the questions come, okay, now we're doing all this. How do we save on water, energy, all those type of things and, and how we can support that? Because that becomes more and more important as your bills for waste and everything goes up. So from that perspective, you are you do have to take a bit more of a holistic approach to you know, hygiene and we all, we all know that you know, there's a commercial element to chemicals and you know, as brewers we pay a certain portion uh, of the cost of the cost of goods uh, as chemicals and we know it's an important factor. When you're walking into breweries, uh, you know, what is one of the things that you see you know, could be a small change but have a, a reasonably sized impact on one, the cleanliness or hygiene or overall you know, flavour impact even? I think one of the things to get so important when putting a brewery together is getting it in the right order from the start because um, if you've got things you know, sitting in the wrong order, then you're, you're constantly going back and forth. So you mean just ergonomics just perspective? Just ergonomics makes a big difference. Like even where you put your chemical storage? or Not just that, you know, like um, where you've got your maltings, uh, where you're storing everything. You don't want your bottling line to be kind of in the middle and all those type of things, keg line in the middle. You want it at the right spot so that you can get it where you're not travelling back and forth all the time. And also, if, if you're having people come through, which a lot of places are, they're mm. doing brew tours and bits and pieces of that, you need to think about where you're going to take people and how that's going to happen. And then also think about the, um, the design of it. You don't want lots of condensate because condensate brings in mould. You don't want your raw materials near where there's going to be condensate because that's going to provide a food source for mould and bits and pieces of that. And then what you're going to do about it because a lot of those things especially that type of stuff, that's like the last thing people think of. They're like, yeah, oh, So you don't I've put your mill beside the packaging line where all your flora is coming in. Correct. Yep. Yeah. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. So it's really important to think about how you're going to treat those things and have someone, doesn't need to be someone like myself, but someone come through and say, hey, have you thought about these things? This is going to, this is a tank. It's going to be cold. It's going to have lots of condensate on it. You've got all your raw material sitting here. You've got a door there that's going to be blowing air through you're going to want to walk through people. So you're going to get mould in these areas. How are you going to treat that? What's that going to look like after six months, eight months? And those type of questions. Because there's nothing worse than walking into a brewery to go have a beer and you're looking at the tanks and you're oh, there's mould on the wall, there's mould on that. And you're thinking, this place isn't well kept. And this is the front. This is what people yeah. see. And one of the things that I do notice is that a lot of the breweries, brewers don't always come from a food background yep so they're missing a little bit of that gap of all that food hygiene just to jump in because my role in this um with three professionals on the like idiots guide um guy what i'm hearing is that the products that ecolab and others uh, sell aren't a savior to bad design you know good design Good planning, good thinking should always come first and it's not just a silver bullet to fix those things. Yeah, so obviously, you know, products will help but if things are done right at the start, then, you know, you need less help, okay? So some things will always come up um, but the better design at the start, the less kind of impact that you'll have over the, the long haul. 
So there's, I guess there's a lot of breweries out there that, you know, they've established. They may have done, mm. you know, they may have done exactly the opposite of all the things we've just talked about and, you know, there's condensating areas they'd prefer not to have it and, um, you know, there's there's always some hot spots, I, I imagine, around breweries. Uh, you know, is there things that, you know, other than, you know, so there's obviously other than just chemical, you know, things that you offer and... Um, you know, you talk about to just remove, uh, you know, to remove the the need for loads and loads of chemical. I think in these those situations, it's always best to kind of be real proactive. It's if you know you're going to have an issue in that area, it's to get to it early. It's never let it get to a point where you've got mold growing and stuff like that. So you go, okay, we can see that there's a problem going to be here. Um, let's put something that's got some residual sanitizing effect on it. Let's build that into our our plan, our, our, our monthly plan, and we're going to treat that area even when it looks clean because we know that's a high-risk area. And just bits and pieces like that. So in the food industry, that type of stuff is pretty common. You've got very complex cleaning schedules mm-hmm. that not only look at daily, weekly, monthly, annual. So those type of things, if you build those into your understanding of how to look after a brewery, then you'll and you'll find you have time because one of the things you do in a brewery a lot is clean. You're Absolutely. doing all this cleaning and doing it the right way and, and taking care of certain things makes it a lot easier. Because if you're looking after it um, regularly, which might just be going up quick little spray and you do that once a month, it's a lot harder to get in there and scrub it all and, and do it and spend a whole day cleaning it because that adds up a lot quicker. So there's just those little kind of tricks and tips that can be beneficial. So I know craft brewers are generally time poor. They are, you know, it's long hours. If there is a lot of cleaning involved, you know, you're, you're brewing, then you're cleaning, you're preparing for the next brew. How many out there do you see that, you know, have got cleaning schedules? Probably not enough, but then a lot of it comes down to, like some people that you'll talk to in the industry have like a hygiene mindset. Mm-hmm. and others don't and you can tell as soon as you walk into the brewery the hygiene mindset so if everything's kind of you know i guess 5s might not be for everyone but everyone's putting stuff where it should go so so what is 5s can you elaborate uh, it's a well it used to be japanese translated from five japanese words but i think it roughly translates to sort shine set in order and sustain i always forget one of the one so of this, the this is a, I'm sure. a very high-level way of doing performing manufacturing tasks designed for automotive industry in Japan, for example. Yeah, so the way I prefer to look at it, it's kind of like everything in a simple place to get to to be used effectively for what it's for what you want it. So you don't want stuff lying out everywhere. As soon as you've used it, it goes back to where it where you collected it from, type of thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a methodology, isn't it? So it's it's bringing into well, at Lion, it was the first thing that you look at uh, when you're introducing lean manufacturing because it's about understanding where the waste is. So uh, if you have a supremely clean floor and you have a um, some caustic dripping on the floor, if it's dirty, then you, know, you, may, you may not see that there's caustic and you may just avoid it. But if it's super clean and there's nothing else on the floor, then... You, you see you can identify that, these you know, things there's a leak somewhere. Um, so you can ad- identify waste or loss or yeah, 
that sort of thing. So what's at the other end of the spectrum, the basic health department requirements? So, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it, I guess some places, because generally with beer, it's a pretty safe product. Um, like Used to be. There's not, yeah. <laughs> you know, most things that get in it, that will grow in it, will ruin the beer, but won't kill you, which you, you definitely have in a lot of other food industries, you know, um, sandwich prep or something like that. You get that wrong, people are going to get very sick very quickly. Do you think that allows some brewers to be a little bit lenient on themselves in terms of because the, the downside isn't quite as bad, you know, you have exploding cans and things like that? Yeah, well, when that happens, you, you start to really focus on it, um, but you obviously don't want to get to that stage. But the fact that it's very unlikely that beer will make you sick um, yeah. means that a, a lazy mindset can creep in. I have seen it, yeah. Um, so I have seen people like, oh, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen type thing? And, you know, they're like, oh, well, it's not so bad, so I'll push things out. So, you know, for example, someone might do a brew in a brew house and then not clean it for three or four days. So what's the – and they think, oh, what's, that's not bad. I'm just going to wait a few days. But you got to think you've got soil in there. Um, you've Generally, the brew house went, doors are open, or whatever you want to call them. Um, so you've got air going in there. You've got potentially mould and other food sources in that environment. You've got people doing other types of cleaning, hosing bits and pieces. So you've got moisture, food sources – air you got everything you need for bacteria to start growing and then if that starts growing maybe you do kill it when you do your clean but you don't sanitize a brew house either so there could be spores and stuff left over now when you do your next brew those spores probably in your beer and maybe doesn't affect it but maybe certain spores are going to and then when you do your initial checks on it it looks it seems all right but two months later you got horrible beer and the most important thing for, in my opinion, for the craft space is getting the quality right and getting the beer to be taste the same every time. So uh, if I'm going to recommend a beer, I want to be able to go to one pub on one street in Milton and get it, and then I want to be able to go across town to another pub and have the same beer and it tastes the same because then I know I'm always going to get what I want and I'm going to be happy recommending that. I've had that experience. One, uh, one of the last times when I was on the Sunshine Coast, one of my mates who was like, oh, there's this great new beer. Come and try it. We had it at one place. Nice beer. Um, the next place we went to was 100 metres down the road. Had the same beer, same bottle. I didn't check the batches, but it tasted different. It wasn't the same beer. You know, It just didn't taste the same. It wasn't bad, but it didn't taste the same. So when we went to the third place, we didn't get that beer because we couldn't be confident that we were going to get what we wanted, which was what was in the first bottle. So the craft space, because it's really local, we're not spending huge money on big billboards most of the places. It's word-of-mouth advertising, so it's important to get that quality piece right. So with, with hygiene, it's not rocket science, is it? No, it's it, not. It's, it's being diligent. I guess there are some – There is a, you know, there's a very technical – part of it if you want to look down into the detail of what is affecting your flavor and what you know what bacteria type are they sort of thing but on the whole we can we can generally put in reasonable practice I would have imagined 
to to ensure that you're getting that consistent beer? I mean, mm. you know, you've mentioned schedules. Is there anything else that you would say? Look, you know, here's here's something you know that I'd say to brewers a lot. This is what I you know you come in, they ask you questions, and you almost put yourself on um, put yourself on repeat. That's a good question. So, I think it's just the frequency. You know, not pushing things out, trying to get things done regularly. So if you're, for example, going to brew a couple of brews in a row, that's fine, but don't leave your brew house sitting around for ages. There's, there's things that can be done that can shorten your cleans and, and make and, and help you reduce water and stuff like that. Um, one of the things I'm starting to see in the industry is people getting little portable CIP skids so that they can reuse some of their caustic and stuff like that, which is, which is really good. Um, obviously, we don't reuse sanitizers. Um, and also when you've got those type of skids, you can look to save a lot of time and, and money by doing acid cleaning on your bright tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's little tricks and stuff around how, f- how much frequency you can do on those things and, and that. So I generally work off a certain program depending on the products that they're doing, but there is certain proteins that caustic doesn't get rid of. Um, and doing too many acid cleans um, on your brights is also you want to do it to a certain amount and then and then do a caustic clean. Why would you do an acid clean on your bright tank? So the the doing an acid clean um, it's it doesn't affect the CO two. So where caustic. Um, so you're talking about acid cleaning under pressure in a bright uh, tank. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So it's a real benefit. Now, if you're talking about the big boys, they've got big CIP processes, so they can clean their FEs and MVs. But in a brewing, uh, craft brewing space, it's not a great idea to, to do that because you don't have cold, caustic pre-sprays set up and you've got to get that, that right. Otherwise, you'll end up not removing the fob rim correctly and you'll get entrainment through, through your product. So um, it's important to, to, to really just, for the craft space, until you've really got well put together CIP programs and, and equipment that you just kind of use it for your bright beer. But it does save you on CO2 because you're not refilling it. So there's people out there that are using, you know, under pressure acid cleans on their bright tanks? Correct, yeah. Have we got the – I know uh, in the industry we've got a lot of, you know, there's a various different range of, of equipment that's out there and a lot of it that I see uh, is, you know, full of dead legs, you know, how do you how do you get a clean in place system to to be able to get into all those dead legs and and make sure you've rinsed everything out? Maybe just explain dead legs for brewers who don't. It's an area that doesn't get cleaned under CIP, so you're not getting enough flow into that area to effectively. Yeah, so you need turbulent flow, don't you? Correct. But isn't there? There's some sort of rule. It's like uh, twice the length of one point five meters a second. Oh, no, no, that's... No, it's distancing, that's, distancing. So the pipe... Ah, oh, yes, yeah. I think it's pipe width to length flow, ratio yeah. to give you some sort of dead leg. I think that's the technical mm. uh, explanation. But, you know, basically it's an area where you know is not going to get enough turbulent flow to, to actually get cleaned, right? So some of these vessels that I see have got quite a lot of these dead legs. And, you know, if you were cleaning under pressure without pulling them apart... Are you going to be able to get away with that? It depends on the the cleanliness of 
the, 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 the way the vessel cleans it generally and then the frequency so you might be able to do it a few times but mm. you might not be able to get away with it more than three times okay or five times depending on can you can you offer a model on how a brewery would make that assessment of the, the effectiveness of cleaning yeah so generally you want someone like myself to come in and have a look at the tank and see understand what they're doing to clean that tank and what they're pulling in uh, what sorry what they're pulling apart and how they're cleaning everything and then what it looks like when it's all put back together. Obviously, dead legs mm. can be a problem in bits and pieces. And then you might get them to do a few trials on it, clean it a few times, open it up, have a look. So even when you are cleaning with the acid, um, if you've got a CIP tank, it's good because you can see what you're getting out, but you're also doing a sanitize afterwards. So that, that that's helping. Um, but again, like I said before, there's certain proteins that, Caustic doesn't get rid of, and the acid's not going to get rid of either. So you've got to do um, remedial cleans, and, and that's a big part of um, the brewing industry is, is doing effective remedial cleans at the right time, at the right frequency. Um, and I've seen it where you know people overdo it, and that causes problems, and then I've seen where people underdo it, and then they've got infections, and then they're dumping beer. So just so. To explain, I guess, what a remedial clean might be. Is that double the amount of... Caustic or? No, so remedial clean is where you do a boosted clean. So you want to be adding something into your caustic that's going to release oxygen and the oxygen works to basically scrub the side of the tank, basically kind of similar in the way that when you add vinegar to bicarb, you get that release, that type of thing. But we're doing it under CIP, under flow, and it it scrubs and cleaves those proteins. Okay, good. I know there's some guys around that, it, you know, uh, ATP testing. You know, ATP testing has got a bit cheaper yep. uh, in my understanding. And, you know, is that a good method to be able to use to, you know, just check your clean? Yeah. So I think it's a great method. It's something so, that so what is ATP? It's adenosine triphosphate testing. So you're just testing the activity um, that's in... The sur- on the surface. So, so it finds dead bodies. Basically. Yep. Yep. Energy. Yep. <laughs> dead, dead bodies of uh, critters. Yes. Or, uh, yeah. mm. Microorganisms. I, I just wanted it's not a true crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the food industry has obviously been doing this for, for 20 years and it is really effective. The, the one thing that does come up that I've, that I see in both the brewing and the food industry is people, wanting to swab while everything's wet. Now, water's got some activity too. So, you know, when you swab a surface when it's wet, you, you're going to get a higher result. And a lot of the manufacturers will say, that's not the truth, but I've worked with these units for, for a long time and I've seen it many times. So It um, brings a bit of a challenge when you've, you were under some time constraints uh, in the brewing yeah. industry. You're not generally going, oh, I'll just leave that there till tomorrow and we'll test it. So... Yeah, so I, I guess you could. Can you generate a sort of baseline of of what's good, or um, I just look. I, or is it just another tool? It's just it's, another it's tool. It's just a tool to help you you understand how you're tracking. The, the, you the attraction of this tool is that it's a, between three and seven dollars a test, depending on your buying power. Mm. Um, it's about a fifteen hundred dollar, two thousand dollar reader. Um, obviously, variable suppliers, different different ways to use them, but you get a result inside two minutes. Yeah. Um, so you're not wasting everybody's time. It's an indicative result. You can still go to plating later. Mm-hmm. But this is a fantastic tool for that much money. 
to just keep things moving. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's a it's a great tool. And so are we seeing more of them in the industry? Yep. Yeah, most places are starting to, to pick up that and use them. I'm trying to think of who I know that doesn't use them, to be honest, most people. But that puts it in context yeah. even by saying that. Yeah. yeah. The craft brewing industry, you know, there, there are a lot of them putting in labs and, and doing all this extra work now, so that, that level of kind of checking is definitely coming along very quickly. That could be something for another podcast. Um, you know, the level of quality and checking that's going on, uh, it's... You know, it's heartening to hear that you know there's more and more of that happening, which is great. There's a there's a lot of fellowship in the industry with that too. So um, you see, you know, it's quite often I'll talk to a brewer and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm sending my samples off to one of the medium sized boys, and they're going to have a look at it for me and stuff," which is really great to see because you don't see that in the food industry, you know. Really, it's it's no, we're not doing that. We're not sending. Well, they're pro- probably. Not as, I mean, everyone wants to help each other out, but there's a bit more of that kind of competitiveness. Let's let's all um, rise together in this industry um, from a lot of people, which is great. No, that it, it's. I think it's probably one of the reasons we're all here, the the great people that are in the industry and support the industry, and yeah, I know we all rely on each other. Sometimes I've run out of I've run out of this hop, <laughs> so uh, it's good to hear that they're doing that as well. Uh, I had a question about what excites you about the the industry you're working in. I mean, you've been, you know, you said you've been doing it for eight years now. You know, what excites you about being in the hygiene, you know, in the hygiene industry and servicing, you know, the the craft breweries and the bigger breweries? And Um, I mean, there's always new and little things going on in the space. Like, you don't walk into two breweries that are the same. Everyone's got slightly different ideas and how they want to do things and and how they want to set it up and everything like that so there's always a little bit of something else new to to see and learn about but I you know also like the fact that I drink a lot of craft beer and I enjoy that and I like working with brewers who make good beer and I like the fact that there's more of them popping up so that I can walk out my front door and do a 10k walk and and try four different beers from four different breweries with my neighbors which is always good fun on a weekend there's lots of benefits to, to what's happening in the industry and the growth. Just on that, you you said that no two breweries are really doing it the same way and I'd, I'd imagine that would be process and fit out and set up. Mm. How hard is it then to standardise some of the cleaning and quality processes that it's, we've been talking about on this podcast? Yeah, it, it's probably something worth mentioning is that, there's like we said before, there's not like everything's going to be similar but there's no silver bullet it's always best to have someone like myself come out and have a look at what you're doing, understand what you're using and give you a program um, for what you're doing. And couldn't be any more important than when you start growing. Like when you've got a few little tanks and everything, but when you start adding more and more things, it gets very important that you've got someone to help that knows what's going on because that's when things go wonderfully. Are, are there any, Wrong. Uh, again, when I walk into a lot of small breweries, like you see everything from fairly close systems to, you know, lots of hoses um, around and, you know, there's increased levels of manualization um, in, in involved. Uh, you know, are there any one, two or three things that most small brewers particularly can make um, outside of the, the um, you know, layout that you talked about, the ergonomics you talked about at the beginning, that they can do to just 
minimise the risk of quality issues in, in mm. your experience? Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, getting a good, a good well-built caustic is very important. So if you're just using uh, a raw caustic or a non-well-built caustic, something that doesn't have EDTA in it and everything like that, what that's... Ed- can, EDTA? It's just a, a chemical. Okay. Okay. Um, that, and the importance of EDTA is it kind of works like vinegar, as in it keeps the um the scale from building up so if you're using a raw caustic what's going to happen is you're going to end up using a lot more water to rinse it out it's not going to hold stuff as well as a built caustic because there's no surfactants and stuff in there to to catch stuff so you're going to spend more water uh rinsing you've got a greater risk of entrainment um and then you're also got no edta in there so you've got you're not um stopping scale from forming and that will form relatively quickly depending on what you're doing for brewing so depending on where you're putting in your minerals and bits and pieces to get your water quality right um, you can end up having lots of mineral everywhere or you can have it have less mineral i suppose Um, and then getting the right products and then also getting that right queen frequency and having the right mindset around you know doing it at, at the right time and regularly and you know you know, certain bits of equipment you can clean and then you can come back to to sanitize before you you fill it. And I quite like that process. Is you know, if you've got certain tanks and stuff like that, you know you're not gonna um, fill them for a while. So more than seventy two hours. If you're pushing more than seventy two, you're you're pushing that. Should I reclean it? Um, but if it's in that, I'd like to clean it. And then I like to sanitize it just before I start. And sanitize, you're doing it cold, so you're not heating it up or anything like that. And then that's another question that comes up is, okay, well, I want to um, clean cold. Okay, so what does that look like? So there is lots of things that we can look at to change the way things are done. So um, the fundamentals of cleaning is, is time, temperature, concentration, and agitation. So if you want to change one of those, you need to adjust one or the others. Um, so that's something that, that comes up, especially as, as places grow. Cost of hot water increases. They're trying to reduce water. Lots of bits and pieces like that. So you've been mainly based in the Brisbane area, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. So I mainly work out of Brisbane, go down to uh, – not, not so much anymore, but I used to go down to kind of Lismore area. Does the quality of our water have an impact on uh, you know, what you're using for chemicals and how often and the schedules and those types of things as well? Yeah, big time. So if you're, the hardness of water can determine the strength of your, even your caustic, um, which you know some places you see and they're running at, at near half what others are and then they move breweries and like, oh, it doesn't work anymore. And it's because it can come down to how much minerals in there and controlling that regularly. Um, yeah so water hardness is a problem and here in Brisbane we see it um, after big rains bits and pieces it, it goes up and then it all depends on what you've got to so if you're membrane filtering everything and, and you've got Dow water it affects you a lot less than yeah. if you're just carbon filtering so is that as a small borough is that something I should be monitoring the hardness of the water um, well it is important to to you guys the, the from, water from quality the process side. Yeah, yeah from the process side because there could be savings on how much you add to your product as you're brewing um so yeah if if you have the ability to do it i would be looking at it i would have thought and this but is for the brewers i would have thought that they should be for the quality of their beer 
um, for the water chemistry uh, for, for their beer. You'd be Quite apart from it, and, and their, their, their cleaning would be the flow on from that. Sure. Let's, we can, we can put, a, put a poll on or something. Okay. Um, I think you'd be surprised um, okay. that there are assumptions made about, in my experience, there are assumptions made about water um, profiles that are uh, generalisations and they're not, as you said, if it rains, mm. it changes. And that's certainly, I've, I've seen something more in Brisbane than I've ever seen anywhere before. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects the boilers, it affects the cleaning processes and it affects the, the product. And it's, it's something uh, I've only just started tracking recently. What what is it about Brisbane that you, you think the feast or famine with the rain? Uh, right, okay. Um, I, I think there are also some municipal works in place where they're redirecting some water supply stuff. But the main thing is that, that once the rain comes through, everything's different. Uh, and if it's raining somewhere else, you can't see. You don't necessarily know that's happening. So uh, very incredibly variable, like doubling. That you know, let's assume we're working off a one hundred unit. Uh, it can blow out to two hundred, and it's it's linear. So it's quite remarkable here. I think where you see it. Oh, I know where I, I see it a bit is just pH in the brew house. Is you see a lot of variability with pH in the brew house, and if you're not uh, checking that and understanding what's going on, uh, you know you're just oblivious. So it's another area where you know your inconsistency can can come from. This is probably a little bit away from. Yep. From uh, the topic we're on, but uh, yeah, it all has oh, no, 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 well, no, but and that's where I was going back to it. I, I would have thought, I, I, again, just as a casual observer, and water being such a big part, and everyone talking about their water, I would have thought that they would be on top of their water, um, and then the cleaning chemistry would just sort of flow from that. But apparently not. So it's a great takeaway. Frequently, and no disrespect, chemical suppliers will set, will tell you to dose at the worst possible scenario to take the the idiot out of the mix. Um. Yeah, sometimes. I don't know. Like, I'm more, what does it visually look like? What are, what are our results? So visual inspection is very important. Visual inspections are very important. Like, yep. yeah, if I open up a tank and I can see it's got scale on it, I know you're not cleaning at the right concentration or yep. you're not cleaning for long enough. And so on every, every cleaning sheet, there should be a box that says visual inspection pass? Um, no, not necessarily. So it's more one of those things that you want to get right at the start. So, um, obviously, as you if you're going from brewing, you know one one type of product, a pale ale or something, and that's mainly what you put in that tank, and then you start putting a stout in there all the time. You might want to revisit it and just see if there's any changes. But once you get that frequency down, and you know, I can give you some general guides of 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 how of when to kind of look and, and the frequency because it's usually within a certain range depending on water and lots of different things and concentration. So we work off those ranges and then and then bring it down to where it should be. Yep. Do you have many of your customers that do their own titrations? Um, bec- de- well, depends. So the bigger customers don't do a lot because they've got Millie Siemens readers and all that type of stuff. And then the medium size, yes, they'll do a bit. And then the smaller size are like, well, I'm just doing bucket chemistry, so I know what I'm putting in, I know what I should be getting out. Um, so they're, they'll do it when they've got problems, but generally not. So those guys are not usually reusing caustic and things like that. They're just no. starting yeah, from scratch each time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, there's benefits to, 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 to doing that too. Um, but, yeah, obviously when you start, there's, there's things in the brewery's change, as you guys know. You know, you, when you first start, it's about making good beer and, and getting customers in. And then as you start growing it, when you've got a good customer base that's loyal and all that, and you, you, your sales aren't as, they're always important, but 
you, some of your other focus sustains is like, okay, so where can we reduce the waste and bits and pieces like that? And then you start going, well, I want to make beer um, and I only want to use three litres to make one litre of beer, so I need to reduce the amount of chemicals, uh, not the, so much chemicals, but the water I'm using to do all these different processes. And that means getting as efficient as possible with your cleaning. And that's where, you know, having a really scheduled and regimented approach around cleaning is going to it's going to be able to help you reduce your mm. costs overall yeah because if you're doing something at a you know it's, it's like a spot clean on something and you're just keeping it down it uses very little water um compared to oh, i've let this get out of control i've got to do a, you know got to clean dot of deep cleans and all that type of stuff the, the one thing that i'd love to see in this industry it never happen again is just no one ever use high pressure in a brewery no high pressure in a brewery ever because you well, just why not it's, it's just the worst it's thing great. for you a can, brewery you can see where you've been yeah and you can see where you, all the mold and everything's gonna go it just spreads um dirt and grime and bacteria everywhere and so it, it you know where it was on your floor now it's all on your roof and everywhere so what would an alternate option be? The best option is to foam clean everything um, so that you're killing anything that's that's living, or majority of stuff that's living, and then to rinse it away with low to medium pressure. Medium pressure is fine. High pressure is, is not. Um, and even when you're doing... So with the, the medium pressure, you're better off using the kind of like a, a foam-reducing nozzle to, to rinse it away. So we call it a broom nozzle. So it helps you get rid of the foam and helps you move everything down into the drain quickly. That's one of the things I hate to see. Is you go in there and people are hitting conveyors with, with high pressure and they're like, oh, I'm getting rid of it. And you're like, no, you're just spreading it. It's coming straight back. That's a really good one. I think we were talking about it earlier, just hoses. I know hoses are widely used in most of these breweries that we're, you know, we're talking about. Any tips and tricks for, for looking after hoses and making sure you're reducing your, your issues that – yeah, if you're not cleaning, potentially you're just putting it straight into your into your batch or your transfer line or whatever. Yeah, so if you look at what the dairy does, um, that's probably the the way to go. So the dairy industry, they will sometimes soak their hoses. It's not my preferred way, but I prefer that if you do it through a CIP, make sure that you hang and sanitize. So you're standing caustic and sanitize at minimum, and it gets hung up well off the ground, nowhere near the ground because that's when you can get splash on it and contaminate them. And then you sanitise the nozzles before you put them back on. Mm-hmm. Any damage, one of the things that you do see in craft, which you probably won't see in any other industry around hoses and stuff like that, is especially when you're going from kind of small to medium, is forklift drivers will not avoid hoses. They'll drive straight over them. And that hose, once it's got um, been driven over, it cracks inside and if you get an infection in that, it's next to impossible to get rid of it. Um, so you basically have to replace those. One thing that doesn't that they do in the dairy that doesn't happen in, in the brewing, um, to my knowledge, I've mentioned it to a few, is just date them. Like when you get them, just this is when I Put started Put a date using on your hose. Hey, yeah. It's five years old. Okay. Might be time to, to replace that. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like your pillow. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. you, you, you forget when you got them. When you buy hoses, it's not that much more expensive to get them date stamped, yeah, and, and coated at the same time. Okay. So there's some traceability. That's that's an extra fifty bucks. That's well spent. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, 
So just before we bring it to a close, Aaron, have you got any last takeaways uh, for, for, for our listeners? Um, I probably should mention safety because that's one of the things that also gets really overlooked um, is that on the smaller side, you're doing a lot of, like what I said before, bucket chemistry, pouring stuff in. So um, the first thing I do when I get to a brewery who's started purchasing my products is I go and grab all the chemistry that they've got and put it somewhere where it's safe and and we look at bonding of it and and storage and that and then and then dispensing so um dispensing on a small into jugs and, and jugs with lids it's very important um a lot of the breweries also have brew houses and got steps so you've got to be very careful you know it doesn't take much to slip on a step with some caustic and, and spill it on yourself um and same with your, your sanitizers which are less forgiving than even caustic um, so it's really important to make sure everyone's wearing the right protective gear and, and you know, that's glasses and face shields and, and doing all that stuff safe because there's nothing worse in my role than when someone calls you up and they've, they've injured themselves with, with chemical. You're like, oh, okay. Um, that's, that's the worst phone calls you get. So that's the last phone call I want to get. So, you know, if everyone in the industry doesn't start, you know, lifts that game a tiny bit, doesn't injure themselves, it's a lot less bad phone calls for, for me and people in my industry. Excellent. Anthony, have you got any uh, takeaways or anything that you've learned from this that uh, you'd reinforce? Oh, I think uh, just having that schedule, so making that time in your week to um, you know, clean and do those things to, to keep mould down, to keep uh, everything looking spot on. Because I think it is one of those things where it's natural for people to – to wander into a brewery and, and you know, we've got a lot of brew pubs kicking around. You wander into the brewery, you have a sneak back and have a look at the what's going on and, oh, you know, if it's not looking up to, up to spec, you know, your expectations are already lower across the bar. So uh, I think if you can make that time uh, it's, and, you know, really present well, uh, you'll keep, you know, the level of flora down and better tasting beers. Marcus? There was one thing that I wanted to make sure I got in this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, it's just a one-liner, but the, the floor is not a work surface. <laughs> uh, just, just to go back to fundamental principle point zero zero one. Yeah. Um, if you put something down in a dirty place, which the floor is, you can't just pick it up and use it again. And it sounds insane, but it's something you see. There's no five-second rule. There's no five-second <laughs> rule. That's, that's a great phrasing. Um, I think we've got a show title. Start, start with the basics. That's it. Just a final thought on helping um, small breweries clean their external um, services quicker. It's, it's always a bonus to have some foaming equipment because then you can do quickly do your outside of the, your tanks and you can do your floors and your walls and um, a lot of your other equipment, even packaging equipment, bits and pieces quickly if you've got a, a foamer. Um, typically, they're a couple of grand up front, but they save you a lot of time and you'll get a greater clean. Um, still some scrubbing required in certain places, um, but they make a big difference. Anthony, you said that a brew house is aesthetically pleasing, but also gives an indication of what to expect. Is it a clean-looking brewery just signifies that there is process going on? I think it's the mindset. We've talked a bit about it, and it's the mindset of hygiene and the mindset of cleaning. So it's the overflow effect. So if... if you're seeing a bright and shiny and clean 
exterior surface, then the natural assumption is to assume that they're managing their internal cleans and all the other cleans after ferments, etc. well as well. Excellent. Now, Aaron, you are the South East Queensland rep um, for Ecolab. Now, uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, this is a national podcast. Are you happy for me to put your contact details in um, if anyone's got any questions on this? Yeah, um, and Obviously, you can refer them um, to somebody if uh, if relevant but uh thank you very much for coming along and uh you know, giving us the, this, this very general advice um based on your experience with uh ecolab yeah thank you very much for having me and um it's been great experience oh, it's been great chatting thanks aaron thanks and that was aaron mcgarrity from ecolab i thank aaron for his time and expertise These Brewery Pro podcasts are valuable discussions for the entire brewing industry. We thank HPA for their support in making this episode possible. Once again, if you'd like to ask any questions of our hosts, Anthony or Marcus, suggest topics for future episodes, or provide feedback, you can join our RBN Brewery Pro Facebook group or email brewerypro at brewsnews.com.au. You'll find a link to both in the show notes. You can download a full transcript of this conversation with links to other information in the show notes to this episode. Brewery Pro content is presented by Brews News and is designed for the brewing industry professional. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can cover, email us at cheers at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for listening. <laughs>